Check, check. Beat the drum. Hey, I'm back from Hawaii. I'm back. I'm unpacked. And I may have taken some crack. We'll talk about it in this show. Welcome to the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. Your source for motorcycles, mayhem, and misinformation. Listen, I can barely tie a shoe, let alone figure out this thing. Kangaroos is leaping down the street every day. And isn't that funny how people line. say not to be an asshole, yeah, but you're going to go on to be an asshole. You're 41 and started a race career. My skin met the asshole. But these new, ki- new ways kit my... I sound like a fat, hairy, bearded slob. I have to stop talking shit. All right, a couple of blurbs. Whatever they do with cocaine. All right, technically all chaps are assholes, right? <laughs> You know what's crazy is that first that sounds like a wild ape, just like going crazy in the jungle. Then it turns out it's a motorcycle. Hey, guess what, everybody? Uh, I'm back from Hawaii, and while I was away, some of the most major things in the motorcycle world happened, and uh, I had zero connectivity to it. So before we get into the show, uh, I do want to say I had a wonderful vacation. I hope you uh, all missed me. Or nobody missed me. I don't care. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So I, I of course, want to talk about. I didn't. I didn't really want to bang out a show uh, the other day when I I got home at two a.m. Um, Friday morning. It's Saturday now, and so uh, I slept a couple hours. Got up and was like, hey, I'm not going to do a show today to put out because I really haven't done anything motorcycle related. Um, and I've been, I haven't even listened to all the podcasts that I missed from last week. Um, for, well, for the last like 10 days or whatever it's been, I know a lot of them have come out twice since, uh, since I left. So I haven't even got a chance to do that. Um, basically I, you know, just did my own thing today and it was kind of fun. It was part of the motorcycle podcasters challenge. If you're not tuned into that, I will implore you to do so in a little bit, but I uh, just want to talk about my trip to the little Island of Hawaii, the not mainland. Yeah, baby, nothing says Hawaii like some super generic blues. So, hey, I'm back from the Big Island, from the little island of the Big Island. I'm back from Oahu. That's not the Big Island. Oahu is the party island, apparently. I really wanted to run down really quick my trip and the people that I stayed with. First, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the family that whose place we stayed at. They are born and raised Hawaiian. Um, they are two-wheel enthusiast, have been, uh, I forget how old the grandpa is, he's got to be in his 70s, uh, because my father-in-law is in, I think he's in his 70s, and uh, they were best friends back when he was in the Navy, and that's how this all kind of got started. A bunch of motorcycle guys hanging out, 
way back in like 1842 or however the hell old that is. I don't know. They're they're old buddies, and um, basically, the old guy um, has, like I said, lived there his whole life. They're they're like brothers, and so we went to stay with them on the North Shore of Oahu. Now, the North Shore, very famous for surfing, like pipelines, sunset, all that stuff. Yeah, that's exact. We stayed right in the middle of that. If you've ever been to Hawaii, you really can, you could probably skip this part because I'm going to talk about my impressions of Hawaii in a minute. But the family that we stayed with, um, two wheels in their blood, going all the way back to the grandfather, his kids that he raised, and I'll, maybe I'll talk about that in a second, the Hanai, I think is how they, what they call the kids. Uh, and then their kids, like the grandkids and everybody's, everybody's motorcyclists. And I didn't know until the last day that we were leaving that, uh, motorcyclists had changed its cover. I haven't subscribed to a magazine in like a bajillion years. I subscribed to him forever, like everyone. And then at the end of it, I just had this stack of like 12 years of magazines, like 350 pounds it was like cool to um, deadlift, but that was about it. So, yeah. So I quit subscribing and I just, I saw it on his table at 70 something years old. This dude is still subscribing, still reading, and I think still riding. Out in the garage, he had a Harley Davidson. Under the house, he had a BSA Gold Star in the crate still. They had crated it back something like 20 years ago. To ship it somewhere and then the guy backed out of the deal so it's been in the crate ever since and i was like oh my god so she's the wife is telling me all this stuff because the guy was gone but he told me about the poly i i don't know how to say the whole thing but it's the poly something and how him and his brother you know way back in the 70s or whatever were riding and the winds are so, so strong up there that it blew his brother over twice it's this crazy road that like goes down through the rocks or something like that or like it's really famous place that I don't think we went, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, they were talking, he was talking about that at the end of the trip, everybody was talking about, you know, this and that they offered to get me a motorcycle that I could cruise. And I was like, dude, I'll be by myself. I don't know anywhere to go in Hawaii. I don't know. Like it was a cool ass supermoto. I would have had to figure out how to get it back the day that we we're leaving. So I was like, dude, it's more hassle than anything. So I'm supposed to be here rocking it with my family. So that's what I did. And I actually had a good time. I found out that I love snorkeling. I've never been snorkeling before, but I can tell you that that's a little bit like motorcycle riding where at first, I was only going out in water that was like 10, 15 feet deep. Because so I was like, dude, there's probably sharks out here. I'm by myself. Like, this is kind of nuts. Same way when I ride trails and stuff alone, especially in places you've never been. You never go ham out there, right? Or you're going to get hurt and, like, could kill yourself or something stupid like that. Or break your bike and be stuck. Not know where to go. Starve. Even though, well, that's another story. But, um... Yeah, and then somebody that's been doing it for 573 years came out. This old old turtle came out, and he went. He went. Uh, it was actually my father-in-law. He went with me, and we went and explored some coral. And if you've ever had the chance to go to an aquarium, it's like getting like like a Sea World or like uh, you know, if you go to Long Beach, the Long Beach Aquarium, anything like that. Um, if there's an aquarium in your city or state or whatever dude go there and then imagine like sticking your head in that and even chasing some fish and even getting chased by some fish and then just having like these gigantic sea urchins like that you're drifting by going dude i hope i don't 
move. I hope the wave doesn't push me like onto that thing right now. So snorkeling, I didn't know I'd like it, but I love it. And it was really fun. And the the reason that I kind of felt when I was out there, I kind of like was freaking out because I was like, we're getting way far away from the beach. But at the same time, I was like, you're riding a trail. Like if you were riding a trail with somebody that knew the trail, would you be freaking out? No, I just like motorcycled in my head and it took me to this calm spot. I was like, dude, we're out here. Nothing's going to happen. We got snorkels. We can breathe. We could float on the salt water. It's cool. Just pretend like you're riding trails with somebody that knows where they're going and what they're doing because you are. And so it really helped me to put like getting that two wheel mindset of like, you've done this before on land. So don't, don't trip out about it. Um, other than that, I really hate the ocean. Um, everything, you know, I, I lived in San Diego for a while. Everything uh, down at the beach just like rots three times as fast. And if you guys up north think when they salt your roads, it really sucks. Imagine just having salt floating randomly through the air. Everything was rusted there. <laughs> like if you leave, everybody's washing machines and stuff were outside because like beach houses, we're talking like native beach houses. We're not talking like fancy millionaire beach houses or nothing, right? This is just like a regular standard, uh, smallish beach house. Everybody's laundry is out on the back porch. And if you can imagine just all the washers and dryers, they get, they're covered up because if they're not covered up, they're like destroyed. And all the cars, when you see like oxidized paint on the car or anything like that, oh dude, it's destroyed. The car is just like sitting there rust. There was a Toyota truck there that I could have kicked and it would have turned to powder. So I really kind of hate the ocean. Um, I burn like, I don't know, I burn like a moth on a flame. And so needless to say, uh, it's not very pleasant for me to be out in the sun for very long and I found out I love snorkeling enough to endure a painful sunburn. Okay. So I guess I really like snorkeling a lot, but yeah, so it was interesting going to a place that I knew I wasn't going to like. If you've been to, uh, and the fact that I knew I wasn't going to have two wheels cause it was going to be a lot more hassle, you know, kind of sucked. The, the, the crazy thing is that we land and we drive out to the, to the North shore, Honolulu's big city, dude, North shore, freaking jungle surfers paradise i might add and uh there's all these food trucks there's like no it's everything's ma and pa there's no the the big there was a gas station and that was the only thing you would recognize because it was like texaco or something like that everything else is ma and pa uh little huts on the side of the road where you can get food like i said the food trucks across from like shark cove or wherever some popular spot is um yeah even the grocery store was tiny so everything is just so compact and tiny and uh I'll talk about the people in a minute because of because of that environment. Uh, but getting back to the two-wheel stuff, uh, I made a note of every motorcycle that I saw. And um, I saw, okay, mostly Harleys. No surprise. We're still in America. It's not like we're in Mexico or something like that or in another country. But mostly Harleys. Um, I did see an old Jixer. Uh, I saw an old, old, old old Jixer that was like crazy painted. I think they were moto camping or they were homeless with just a motorcycle, which is kind of awkward and weird. Uh, saw a few sport bikes. Um, R1, uh, R6. I saw BMW 
F600, the old school kind, like the Dakar ones, kind of like Aussie Chris has. Um, I saw, I think I saw one BMW R1200. Um, I saw a, like a big dog, like one of those raked and stretched choppers. Um, I saw like 43,000 Zumas. And the reason everybody drives Zumas is because, A, they're the rental vehicle there. So if you go to the beach and you rent a scooter, that's what you get. And so everybody and their mom had those. Plus, they use them to deliver stuff around the around there, around that area. Uh, like, dude, where's my food guy? I was just zipping around on a Zuma uh, cruising. There's no helmet law in Hawaii. Um, coming out of Honolulu, the traffic was freaking atrocious. It was worse than L.A. traffic. And you guys need lane splitting over there. Um, however, I think... If I remember correctly, the lanes are a little skinny, so I don't know if it would work. Plus, speed limits over there. Uh, okay, Hawaii, I, like I said, I didn't think I'd like it because I hate the ocean. But Hawaii isn't the ocean. I mean, there, there's it's surrounded by water, sure, but the interior is just freaking amazing. And I didn't know what to expect. So when I went over there, it really reminded me of the South. If you took out a chunk, an ice cream scooper, huge, obviously, um, and scooped out part of the South and plopped it in the Gulf, maybe, or in, you know, in the Pacific over here, um, somewhere that has waves. So I'm going to say the Pacific. That is like Hawaii. It was humid. It was green. All year round, they get rain, just like you do in the South, um, you know, Arkansas, Tennessee, uh, the Carolinas, all those places, uh, everybody could tell you that it's pretty much green year round. It's beautiful. It rain, you know, it might even snow in something like in Arkansas, it snows. Um, but when it doesn't snow, it like rains. And in the summertime, it rains. And so it's pretty interesting. Um, Hawaii, I guess, gets snow on some of their really, really tall mountains. But for the, for the most part, it's tropical, kind of like Mexico. If you ever been to Mexico, um, it actually reminded me a lot of the Yucatan because there's still some like thousands of year old Polynesian ruins there. That's pretty cool. And um, so so I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting it to be so much like the South. Um, It really reminded me of like where my family's from. Uh, Partially because the greenness, partially because the ruralness. I don't think I was expecting it to be super rural. And I don't think I was expecting it to be, what did I say, humid, green, rural. Oh, yeah, like horse ranches and stuff uh, and cattle ranches, farming. There's like I went to the Dole Pineapple Plantation. So, I mean, it really, really did remind me of like just uh, taking something from, you know, where I was born and plopping it in the middle of the ocean. So you have the best of both worlds. You have this really green, lush jungle, and then you got like the beach and the sand, like 10 minutes. I mean, the whole, whole Island, we drove around it and it's not very long. I mean, it's like super close to the beach, no matter where you are. Um, and then super close to the jungle. So we did that. We went into, um, went into some ruins and did like a little tour of Waimea Valley, which was, I don't know. There's like a, if, if you've ever been to Mexico, they had these things called cenotes, which are like these, circular round sometimes they're underground sometimes they're not but they're these crazy uh just pools of fresh water and sometimes they come from underneath the ground and stuff like that they're pretty pretty interesting and the mayans used to sacrifice people into them and this and that well it was kind of like a cenote but it was uh the falls into this little 
uh, circular like crater. I think it maybe maybe was a volcano at one point. I'm not 100% sure. But yeah, all around there, there was this old settlement that we went to. I met Auntie Pala Pala. She taught me how to play a couple of the old Hawaiian games, which is cool. So that's the other thing about Hawaii is that like... It's a crazy melting pot and the, probably more so in the cities. But even when you get like Waikiki and Honolulu, uh, at least in Oahu, because we didn't go to any of the other islands, um, those are like the big cities. And it's just like anywhere else, you know, A Street, Market Street, blah, blah, blah. We were out in the sticks, man. And, the, and they are like every street name was in native Hawaiian. Polynesian, whatever the actual language, I believe it's just Hawaiian. Um, yeah, I saw wild pigs. That's another reason why it rem- reminded me of the South. They were just like cr- cruising on the side of the road. Um, little black wild pigs, not as big as the ones in Arkansas, but still wild pigs. Uh, no, There's no um, snakes, no squirrels, none of that crazy stuff. But there are mongoose. I saw like two or three wild mongoose, um, some wild turtles when we went snorkeling. Of course, all the crazy tropical fish, um, lots of chickens everywhere. That's the other reason why it remind, reminded me of the South and the, the extremely low speed limits. Like 55 was the max. Um, and we didn't see people doing like 70 or 80. You know what I mean? Like, I think I saw one guy doing like 65 and that was like, whoa, bro, you're speeding. So it's super laid back, um, super... I don't know. You could ride those Zumas. Like I saw plenty of Harleys and stuff. And speaking of squids, I'm going to talk about both types of squids. Cause we all know that Hawaii is like a major military, uh, you know, it's been ever since world war one, like a major military or world war two, rather a major military, uh, stronghold, you know what I mean? And it was a, a strategic place to occupy, and so like Midway and uh, the Bikini Atoll and all that crazy stuff, right? Pearl Harbor obviously made it historically, uh, you know, kind of war related. So there was there are a lot of squids as in like naval dudes there and Air Force and Army. We met some pretty cool people in the Army. And um, but there's also squids like it's illegal there to wear a shirt if you're a dude. And if you're a female that's 30 or under younger, it's like mandatory that you wear a thong. And uh, I'll talk about that in a minute. But squids, man, there's no helmet law. There's like obviously no gear law. And people gave a shit about rain. You know what I mean? It rains there all the time. So they're just cruising around in their shorts and flops on their Harleys and the speed limit and, and sport bikes. And the speed limits are like 45, 35 and on the freeways, 55. So it's like Squidville, you know. Plus, wearing a shirt's illegal if you're a dude. So, lots of dudes with no shirts cruising around on their sport bikes. Um, I don't know if I've already mentioned what I've seen, but I but I did see some Jixers. I did see uh, some BMWs and stuff like that. I might have already mentioned this stuff. I won't I won't re go over it. But all those dudes, no gear. Who had the gear was the squids and not the squid bros, but the actual like Navy dudes and and army people. And it's probably because I think if you listen to the Cafe Racer podcast, they talk about anybody who's part of a military installation has to wear uh, the gear or you're not allowed to have a bike on base or something like that. So full camos, helmets, high vis vests, every single one of them. That was like the riding attire over there for the people in uniform. 
So you could tell who was in the who was in the military because they actually had gear on and everybody else was like, ah, screw it. So that was pretty interesting. Uh, the one thing about Hawaii, it's more cosmopolitan than New York, in my opinion, because you got people from like China, Japan, the Philippines, um, all the everything over on the eastern side of uh you know asia i guess everybody from asia going there a lot of people from mainland going there and it just all melts right there in the middle and a lot of the island people maybe go to the mainland and say i want to move to another island and go to there so there's like jamaican people there also um i think there was like quite a few african not african american but actually african people there too that uh we ran into and stuff pretty cool so i mean it's just like this crazy diverse little place truly cosmopolitan settled first by the polynesians and then everybody else came afterwards interesting interesting and super laid back if you were like 20 pounds or like 2000 pounds they didn't care dude get out there in your bikini get out in the sun have some fun you know wear your speedo if you're an old man nobody nobody was like body shaming it was so cool and so laid back but what i did want to say i I forget what i mentioned earlier but i said i wanted to mention the lifestyle around there a lot of people biking a lot of people since the speed limits are so low and everything is like pretty close and rural in that part everybody's walking everybody's biking everybody is like walking on the beach to get here to there one thing i noticed ladies the guys you know, of course, all ripped because they're swimming all day, right? Whether they're like 15 or 70, they're just like built like uh, Michael Phelps because they're just swimming and surfing all day. Uh, so you could tell the tourists, wink, wink. Um, and the ladies that live there, uh, dude, whether they were like 180 pounds, 205 pounds, or like, I don't know, 85 pounds, whether they were like, native hawaiians like polynesian tomorrow whatever or like you know trans people that were you know their parents moved there from nantucket and they were born on the island so it doesn't matter like your ethnicity your culture or whatever or your weight dude the butts were all in thongs and zero fat on them and i'm guessing it's because they walk everywhere through that sand I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I don't know what, this doesn't have anything to do with motorcycles, but I'm just saying, the people over there were very fit, uh, regardless of anything, any factors that might play a key role over here on the mainland. So that's my uh, 22 minute uh, wrap up of Hawaii. I I literally, we crashed a a rental vehicle, which is cool. Um, I did, we did, we, you could off-road on the motorcycle track that was right down from us. If you knew some spots, which obviously we were staying with people that live there. So they knew some spots to go off-roading. Um, you could, and super laid back and chill. I didn't see the cops busting anybody, people riding dirt bikes all over the place. Um, and that's one thing I wanted to mention. As soon as we got there Thursday and I just see like five bajillion dirt bikes, I knew, I was like, dude, what's going on here? And they were all going like on our street or on the highway, the Kamehameha Highway there. I was like, what's going on? I knew something was happening. And then they're like, oh yeah, we're like right down the street. 
like a, a couple miles down the street from the motocross track. And I was like, O-M-G. So all weekend, I just saw dirt bikes going in and out, in and out, like trailers and trailers of dirt bikes for the first three days I was there. And I had to, like, go play with my kids on the beach and uh, drink beer and talk about crazy stuff. So that's that. I was so sad. All right, let's get into some motorcycling stuff for reals. Everybody, if you haven't heard of the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge, I implore you to go over to the Facebook page, Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge, or check out MotorcyclePodcastersChallenge.com. At the website, I don't think you're going to see a whole bunch of stuff except for uh, updates and stuff that they do there. But on their Facebook page, you will see everybody's posts and uh, see how the teams are doing and all that great stuff. And also what you will see, uh, well, here's what I don't know. I just got back from the HI Hawaii, right? Um, and I don't know. I've seen a bunch of people posting in there since I've been back. Uh, a bunch of people have been running around. Before I get into the rest of the teams, I have to say, dude, for Team Creative Writing, Paul Smith and Chris Singsheim, you guys are rocking it. Um, I know some of the other podcasts have like three or four or five guys a piece, and I only have one, and they're getting to divvy up the letters, and each, each guy goes and does like two or one or whatever they do. Dude, the guys that are helping me, they are cracking out six letters. All of us are trying to get six letters and uh, trying to do miles at the same time. It's so nuts. Like Chris Singsheim, I know he every weekend rides like 5,000 miles anyway to begin with. And so he's just stopping in some, I might add, pretty shady towns. He stopped in Zion, Illinois this weekend. And guess what? I know that he said that he didn't even post the picture till he got the hell out of there. Illinois is falling apart, peeps. Um, so yeah, him and, and Paul doing a great job. Thank you so much for helping me out. And, uh, you know, team creative writing greatly appreciates it. And I even tried to get out to a few places. Uh, I went out to Apple Valley, which is uh, on the other side. Uh, ironically, no apples in Apple Valley. Let me just start off by saying that. I do go apple picking with my family near there. So maybe there used to be apples in Apple Valley. Zero ideas. But uh, so, yeah, Apple Valley was hotter than the underside of a camel's scrotum. And I have to say, it actually wasn't the hot. This isn't the hottest time of the year for that. It, it was probably mild. You know, if they lived out there, they're like, dude, this is nothing. Um, on this side of the Cajon Pass, on my side of the Cajon Pass, down uh, up against the foothills here of the San Gabriel Mountains, very nice. Sunny day, just beautiful, nice and cool. Birds chirping in the background. Um, just really good. And I didn't leave till like close to noon. Hadn't even heated up yet. By the time I got to Apple Valley, on the other hand, it was another story. And I wouldn't never, you know, thanks to Rich and the guys at Loud Pipes for putting this on, because I would have really never gone to Apple Valley for any reason. Um, I, I drove through there one time 
uh, coming back from Las Vegas a few years ago when Southern California was on fire. Uh, when it when a fire season hits around here, it tends to literally burn everything around. And so we've got rooted through Apple Valley because all, all the mountain passes coming back into California were on fire. So they had to figure out a way to get us here. And that's literally the only time I've been through Apple Valley other than, you know, to go out there to score some points. So uh, I really appreciate and understand the theory behind the challenge. It is to get more people out, riding more, exploring places you've never been. Uh, And I really think it's cool. A long time ago, I thought of like a cool thing I wanted to do for the show. And after the podcast challenge is over, I probably will. But yeah, just to get you out to explore like the little things. And I really think that this uh, challenge is hitting that nail right on the head and <laughs> evidenced by the fact that a lot of people are going, you know, Paul had no reason to go to Azusa High School. Even half the students there have no real reason to go there, but uh, they he went anyway. And so post office, fire departments, high schools, all this cool stuff that people are visiting. Uh, on my way back from Apple Valley, which was, I forget, I have the points written down here somewhere. It was, it was a pretty good score for me. Um, let me see. What was Apple Valley? Apple Valley was 53 points. That's a pretty good, uh, pretty good spread there. Um, I hit, I was like, Ooh, I'm going to go to garden Grove. That's 45 points. It's like a two hour drive from Apple Valley, especially in LA traffic. Luckily I could split lanes. Uh, I found out there's a city called Grand Terrace, which is a lot of vowels. And I know you probably don't care about the scoring system, but vowels don't really score you. They're the lowest point value. And But it was the sheer number of letters in Grand Terrace versus Garden Grove. They're like one, or, one letter apart and only one point apart. And so I was like, well, dude, I've never even heard of Grand Terrace. Didn't even know it was out here. I'm going to stop there, too. And it was only an hour from Apple Valley. So... There you go. Uh, two places that I would have never visited had uh, this um, podcaster's challenge not existed. And so thank you so much to Rich and the guys over there for doing this and making us get out there and explore towns. Now, Paul and Chris, like I said, dude, these guys are just hitting it. And I mentioned before, some of the teams for the podcast may be splitting it up, you know, two, four, six, uh, you know, six letters, each guy taking one or two, uh, depending on availability in their area. Dude, Chris and Paul and myself going crazy, like trying to find, we're hitting all six by ourselves. And I've noticed that from a lot of the listeners that are posting in there, they're kind of hitting every single uh, every single letter that they can because there's a prize for listeners at the end. So they're, after this is the second week, I think there's one more week after this, and then the it will be over. I haven't seen a new podcast come out. I think Rich said something was up with the feed. I know a lot of the feeds have been getting uh, notices that they're not valid or something like that. I don't know if iTunes has changed something. Uh, or what's going on right now in the podcast feed world, but I noticed that loud pipes and throttled, something seems to be up with the feed. Uh, maybe the servers are, uh, you know, it m- might be something with our servers. I guess I'll see what happens to mine when I try to send this out. So basically, um, yeah, it's just, it's really interesting uh, to see all these people out there doing all this great stuff. I don't know who's in the lead right now. Cause like I said, I haven't seen a podcast or an update, so I don't know if they are revealing who's in the lead till the end or if it's taken a long time to calculate it. I could imagine that it does with all the teams and the writers. There's five teams and I'm not sure how many individual listener writers there are, but man, this is a really, really cool way to expose people to new stuff. 
Ah, just listen to those birds chirp about it. They love it. If you want to learn more about the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge, check out Loud Pipes, loudpipes.com, the Loud Pipes Podcast, the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge page, and the Facebook page. Hey everybody, I'm here to tell you about a friend of the show, Daily Biker Dan. Have you heard me mention dailybikers.com before? Well, if you've listened to this show, you probably have. Daily Biker Dan was on our show way back uh, last year. The episode is called The Man from the Future, and that's because Dan is about, oh, I don't know, 17 hours ahead of me time-wise. But you know, the thing is... He's also behind some of the best stuff you can find on dailybikers.com. It's a blog, and let me tell you what he's got on there. He's not only got some cool ride reviews, he's recently put up his work-in-progress drawings of the bikes that he draws. Um, he's got tech uh, reviews, gear reviews, ride, you know, ride stories, stuff like that. And if you go to the store link, you will find yourself in heaven, my friends. Why? Because Daily Biker Dan has a huge, huge array of artwork, motorcycle artwork. Some of it's for your desk. Some of it's for your wall. That may be true, but others are stickers. Put them on your top case, put them on your toolbox, whatever you want to do with them. He's also got wrapping paper. The actual notebook that I take notes with for this show is a daily biker journal so he's got those he's got these cool tricolor uh pieces of art that have come out recently he has a motorcycle coloring book he's got digital downloads you just want one or two little things for maybe a road trip for the kids to draw or like some scrap paper to take with you somewhere that you can doodle on while you're supposed to be listening to an important meeting guess what daily bikers dan daily bikers that's a hard thing to say daily bikers dan has digital downloads try to say that 10 times fast that's a right tongue twister mate (laughs) all right all joking aside daily bikers dan does have a huge huge selection of motorcycle related artwork items pillowcases like i mentioned artwork that's small for your desk or big for your wall he's got wrapping paper he has sticker packs he has cards you know father's day birthday uh, anniversary bar mitzvah um bastille day i'm just kidding he doesn't have those but maybe just maybe if you were to buy one of his blank cards you could write that in there yourself or maybe dan would actually make it for you i don't know i've never asked him to personally like make me anything but i'm telling you he's got all this great stuff and like i said What's better than a coloring book than a coloring book that's full of motorcycles? For you to color whatever color you want them to be. Finally want to get a Kawasaki that's not red, green, or black? Well, get yourself a coloring book and make it blue. I know there's some blue Kawasaki's, I'm just saying. Uh, At any rate, yeah, check them out. Dailybikers.com or you can go to Etsy and search for Daily Bikers. Um, You can find him on all the social medias. He is a former uh, copywriter, so he's like totally internet savvy. And now he rides a uh, 115cc Honda Cub daily because he's a motor postie, bro. So not only does he ride every single day, he also draws what uh, appeals to him. He does reviews on bikes. It's, I don't know, it's the whole package. Dan the man. Check him out, dailybikers.com. You've heard me blab about Hawaii. You've heard me blab about Motorcycle Podcaster Challenge. 
And uh, let's talk about something that's near and dear to my heart that I know you love, which is flat track, baby. Flat track, shame. So I didn't really have access to a lot of stuff in uh, Hawaii. Least, least, well, whatever I'm trying to say here. I didn't have internet access, I guess is what I could say, uh, to make this long story short. And basically, we were three hours behind anyway, three hours behind Pacific time, nine hours behind Eastern time. Lima, Ohio, I believe, is eight hours or something like that behind, uh, you know, Hawaiian time or ahead of Hawaiian time. I wouldn't even have known what time to watch, basically. And uh, so I didn't get to see the races. Kind of bummed about that because then they're going to be on a break this week. Uh, But guess what? When I got back shocked totally shocked by the outcomes and uh just amazed finally that indian uh still made the podium but did not they they had their winning streak broken in the twins class of course and um it's funny i I, i've listened to one podcast most of one podcast since i've been back and that's all i've had time for have about 18 unplayed ones and i'm sure they're all going to be uh talking about flat tracking and stuff like that So the podcast that I got to listen to a portion of since I've been home was the Doghouse Two-Wheel Radio Show. And basically, uh, the guys, you know, Warren isn't there. He's he's out on vacation somewhere. And the two guys that always make fun of him for messing up everyone's name uh, stated the winner of the twins class as like Bronner Brownman or Brewer Bryman or something. I don't know. They totally messed it up. And I got a little giggle out of that. Because uh, they're always giving Warren such a hard time. But Briar Bauman, uh, he and Bronson, his brother, actually uh, round, got, both made it into the top 10. And that was pretty cool. I think Briar is actually dating Shayna Texter, who we know was the leader in the singles class. Um, and she's one hell of a racer herself. And so here's what happened. Uh, Indian finally had their winning streak broke. And a lot of people are saying, oh, Indian's winning, Indian's winning, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Not giving any uh, credit to the riders. You know, it wasn't... The whole reason that for me that it was a bummer is because you see one guy tend to win a lot of races and end up taking uh, the championship like it's not even a challenge. You know, they got it wrapped up by the last couple races. Um you know, before the end of the season's even up. And then you're like, well, why even watch, you know? And so what had happened was, uh, I think it's going to be an Indian year just because there's, we're, we're officially halfway through the season. Now we're nine rounds in and there's only 18 races this season. Indian has taken nine of those rounds, but not the, the, the championship is still, uh, questionable because we still have, you know, uh, there could be any number of riders to take it. It could, it could be one of the two that we're anticipating, Meese or Smith. And now, this week, Brad Baker actually stepped up and podiumed. I'm going to quit trying what I'm doing there, uh, trying to block out the birds tweeting. It's making too much microphone noise and it's distracting me. So, uh, anyways... Um, Brad Baker, he podiumed and he came in second, uh, and rounding out the top three was Jeffrey Carver Jr. Who's been making a pretty good showing in the last few weeks, but never quite got up on the, uh, the top three steps there till this week. And basically Meese, where's Meese? You know, he, uh, him and Smith have been duking it out. And I think 
they are probably the, were the closest in points. He didn't even make the main. He jumped the start twice in the semi. They in his semi, and they they uh, gave him like a ten second penalty or something, which dropped him down to eleventh, which isn't even a transfer spot. So he is the him and his wife Nicole are the promoters of the Lima Half Mile, and they just took they started last year promoting it. And if you go back to Pit Pass, uh, Pit Pass Moto is a, a radio station, and they interviewed him about you know, being the promoter the first time and all this and that. And they also have, a they uh, turn it into a podcast. So you can go back to last year and listen to see like how much work that was for them. Totally stoked to have won it last year. And then promoting it again this year, it would have been his dream to win it again, you know, racer, promoter and winner. And uh, he doesn't even make the main. And so he had to stand on the sidelines and watch as Indian kind of tumbled. I think Brian Smith came in sixth. Um, Davis Fisher, I think, came in fourth. And uh, I'm going to look at the stats for you in, in one second. I'm just going off the top of my head of what, it, what I can remember reading. I forget who came in fifth. But, I mean, Indian, the best Indian, uh, you know, finishing second and then one in sixth. I mean, it's crazy that, you know, uh, even though Meese didn't race, him and Smith may be closer in points, you know, than, than you think coming toward the next round. And Baker, who we said didn't even make the TT and then had a mechanical like in the third round or something like that and came in like 14th. Um, I mean, he came came in second so here his chance you know he's throwing his hat back in the ring and so you know we may have a three-way indian battle come the end of the season it's going to be really really interesting to see who, who wins it again so i really dig brad baker i think he's a good racer um and jared meese i, I mean he's kind of like the i don't know if you guys are into like sticking ball sports i don't know who the top dude is on on any teams but i mean he's like an all-star you know what i mean so to have uh you know, Brian Smith, I always liked him, even though last year was his first uh, championship. Um, yeah, he's, you know, he's on it this year. So to get the three top guys racing for Indian, I didn't really used to like F1 when Michael Schumacher won every single thing. Uh, I used to love World Rally Championship. And when Colin McRae died, um, Sebastian Loeb, a few years after that, just started winning everything. He won like every single dang race for like, I don't know seemed like five or six years in a row. He finally retired. He probably got bored of just having no competition. And so people complain a lot about Indian being on the top. You know, until this round, they can shut their mouths. But the thing is, they're kind of discrediting the fact that you're, they're just looking at Indian. They're not looking at these three riders duking it out. You know what I mean? That's what I'm looking at. And uh, see if Brian Smith can make it two in a row. See if Jared can come in and steal it back because I think he, he yeah he was the champion year before last and so and I think the year before that he might have been fourteen fifteen if I remember correctly but uh, yeah it's just it's nuts man these three guys going at it and uh, it's just cool this round that some other guys came up and was it the Yamahas you know we always talk about Sammy Halbert how he finishes really strong on this Yamaha a lot of times the Yamahas are right up there uh, you know smashing handlebars with the the Indians and the Harleys that are always in the top. Um, no, it was Kawasaki. So Briar Bauman and the Zanotti uh, Kawasaki. If you look at the, uh, go to AmericanFlatTrack.com and look at the photo, I believe you can see uh, Michelle DeSalvo is up there on the uh, podium right next to him. And she was on the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast last year. 
She's like a wrench. She raced at Pikes Peak last year. She races Supermoto flat track. I think she races sport bikes. She's like this crazy chick that is like his, the Zanotti wrench. You know, she's responsible for uh, making all those bikes go so fast. And she herself is a, is a racer. So I thought that was pretty cool to see her in the uh, picture as well next to Briar. And um, Brad didn't look too stoked. Jeffrey Carver Jr. just looked ecstatic. So that's kind of cool. And he's like, I don't know if they're purple and yellow or brown and yellow, but they're super 70s looking or, or early 80s looking leathers that he's got. And it was finally cool to see them uh, on the steps there. Let's uh let's quickly break down the top 10 here because it's going to be interesting who you hear and who you don't hear from Lima. Uh, so spot one, of course, we know Briar Bauman. Uh, second spot, Brad Baker. Third spot, Jeffrey Carver Jr. Fourth spot, Davis Fisher. Uh, fifth spot, Hammer and Hank or Henry Wiles, as you know him. Sixth spot, Brian Smith. Seventh spot, Flying Ryan Wells. Eighth spot, Brandon Robinson on the uh, Harley Davidson XG. So the first Harley uh, coming in in eighth spot. Uh, ninth spot was Johnny Lewis. Uh, tenth spot was Bronson Bauman, which is Breyer's uh, brother. And let me see, one, except for um, Johnny Lewis, who was on a Ducati Hypermotard. Um, and then of course, Brandon Robinson and Ryan Wells that were on Harley's, uh, if it wasn't an Indian scout, it was a Kawasaki Ninja 650. I think Halbert had, uh, um, I think he had a mechanical from what I read, which is kind of bummer. Um, but the Yamahas didn't finish except for like Mikey Rush down in 13th. It looks like was the first, uh, FZO seven. So yeah, man, lots of Kawasaki Ninjas loving that pea gravel track in Lima and, uh, no, it's not Lima. Um, I'm going to flip over now to the singles race because from what I read about that as well, uh, it was super, super duper exciting. I'm super bummed I didn't get to see any of this stuff. All right. Well, in the singles class, just as exciting and just as much of a shakeup as uh, it was in the twins class. Uh, at the Was it at the OKC mile? We had Parker Norris taking a podium there. I think he was he in second. I think he came in second, um, you know, right behind uh, Shana Texter. And of course, this week he takes first in the singles class. So that's pretty sweet. Uh, apparently, you know, the singles and the twins both had like red flag moments where the, you know, everybody gets reeled back in and then uh, they start over. But what was weird about the, the singles uh, restart is that the huge, huge lead that Parker Norris had was erased after that red flag incident. And so uh, Kevin Stallings, who's on the number 99 Ben Evans Honda, uh, who, by the way, I want to mention him. He's been running up there in the top, you know, we've heard him his name in the top five, you know, uh, uh, shooting back and forth. Um, him and Kyle Johnson, who I think, honestly, uh, as soon as Kyle Johnson moves up, he's going to be, I would be, you know, if I was Harley Davidson, I'd pick up Kyle Johnson. Um, so those, that's your top three right there. And Kevin Stollings on the number 99, uh, was wearing a paint by Smokey helmet. Um, if you are heard me talk about Ivy league before the Ivy league racing that does, did all the flat track down in San Diego and kind of, uh, in my opinion, kind of helped bring it back with the help of RSD and all those guys. Um, 
uh, Smokey, uh, I believe, helps out with organizing a lot of the Ivy League events, and he was a major player in that stuff. He is also a professional painter, and if you've never seen his stuff on like Instagram or Facebook, you'll be mind blown. So uh, Kevin Stollings was rocking one of his helmets, and I was uh, following the paint job on Instagram. Painting is not easy to do, my friends. I actually wanted to talk about that in the next episode. Um, and so uh, him and him and um, Parker Norris battled back and forth, back and forth uh, until the very end. I think Norris edged him out by like 0.155 seconds. Um, and then Kyle Johnson coming in third. Uh, Shayna Texter, who is the series leader, uh, she fell back, I think, to 10th spot, I read, and hustled back up. Uh, let me read. Let me see. Shayna Texter, she pushed back up to sixth. Uh, so that's pretty cool. And she's still out front in the points lead. Um, and right behind her, uh, Brandon Price, um, he finished one spot ahead of her. So they're actually like one and two in the points. And then Colby Carlisle, who is, you know, also been right up there in the top with these guys, um, been hearing his name like at least every other race. He, uh, had a failure so sort of similar to Meese where like one of the front runners just doesn't even make the main or I guess Halbert uh you know he his bike's exhaust fell off so he didn't make his main um but he's still sitting in third point uh third spot overall in the points so let's go to the uh singles top 10 here and I'll tell you who won it so Parker Norris uh Kevin Stallings Kyle Johnson John Vanderland Brandon Price, Shayna Texter, Ben Lowe. Actually, I think his name is Ben Lau. I'm sorry. Uh, Wyatt Anderson, Morgan Mischler, and Cameron Smith topping out your uh, the top 10 there. Now, everybody's been harping on Indian for winning everything up until this round. And Indian this and Indian that. Wah, wah, wah. Well, nobody has said squat about Honda. And uh, Honda... <laughs> has just like is mopping up. I mean, almost everybody's on a Honda in the singles. The first one, two, three, four, the first, uh, four spots is Honda. And then we got a Kawasaki, then two more Hondas, then a KTM and then two more Hondas and then a Kawasaki. And then like three more Hondas, you know, going all the way down. There's like one, two KTMs, a couple Yamahas and like two Kawasaki's and the rest is totally Hondas in this, uh, 18 rider class. So, I mean, it's kind of funny that for, you know, people are harping on Indian running this thing. And I, it's a lot of first time watchers, I think, you know, uh, especially with the big Indian Harley rivalry and all this and that. I think a lot of people were disappointed that Indian came out and is kicking some ass. I'm not so disappointed myself. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that one brand for whatever reason isn't on top. Um, not that I hate Harley Davidson or anything like that. I'm just glad that another American brand is getting up there and, uh, coming you know they came to play and they're playing hard and you know give them the season who knows what's going to happen next season they could fall on their face who you know we don't know but um yeah so i think it's kind of cool and kind of interesting i can't wait for this next few rounds i mean we're halfway through the season there's a break right now um for this weekend um i think the next race is going to be on the 8th of July. Um, and actually I'm talking on a Saturday. So what does it matter to you anyway? Uh, have a good 4th of July and do your thing and don't worry about it. Yeah. The uh, next event is going to be the rolling wheels half mile coming to you from New York. 
the American Flat Track website says that opening ceremonies are at 6 p.m. So uh, go to fanschoice.tv and check that out live if you can. And they may have the semis and heats and all that stuff uh, before then that you can watch as well. And then it's going to run till 9, 10 p.m. And this is all live. So uh, on the West Coast, you're going to be watching it in the afternoon, late afternoon. So go check that out. And uh, one more thing I wanted to mention is that I also noticed on the AFT uh, newsreel here that basically they're announcing that uh, starting July 3rd, uh, NS. NBCSN, which is, I think is NBC Sports Network, announced that they're going to start telecasting these races. We were promised this and told this at the beginning. Um, I think they got the dates in the beginning. Maybe they weren't hammered out all the way because I think they said they were going to air them on Thursdays. But according to this, um, July 3rd at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific, uh, they're going to start with the Daytona Beach TT and uh, start running all 18 races. And they're going to be caught up... um, we're doing one a week and they'll be caught up with the series before it ends then. Um, and then, yeah, that's going to be, I mean, this is pretty awesome. And it says that, uh, they'll be presented, uh, a weekday encore as well. And they're only going to be an hour. So everything's going to be narrowed down. There's not going to be semis and all that stuff. It's probably going to be like the two final heats in the mains or something like that. Um, and so basically you can still see them on fans choice, uh, TV. They'll continue to provide the live streaming coverage for every round. And then the NBC sports will provide you the condensed coverage, um, along with the telecast and stuff like that. So July 3rd, the Daytona TT, um, July 10th, the Dixie Speedway, um, July 17th, Charlotte, uh, Thursday. Oh, then they are switching to Thursday. So the first three are Mondays and the rest, yeah, all the way to the bottom are on Thursdays. So that's pretty cool. And they vary from 11 to 10. I guess maybe there's some, who knows, football or baseball or hockey or something on in the middle of summer where they'll be switching the schedules to 10 p.m. So just p- pay attention. Uh, check. You can check out the American Flat Track website, like I said, at AmericanFlatTrack.com, and they've got it here listed. Um, and then basically you'll probably be able to find it. I just I know people are going to be disappointed when they try to record it on TV and they like type in the wrong time. Um, I know smart TVs aren't really that smart. Hey, last thing I want to talk about is 4th of July. 4th of July, y'all. Y'all, this is you. I want you guys to have a really, really, really good 4th of July. And um, I don't know. I feel really good this year. We got two American brands slugging it out on the flat tracks. Um, We got, you know, a whole bunch of great stuff has happened over the last couple of years. We're moving toward. Uh, a new horizon in motorcycling, you know, a lot of like doom and gloom and all this stuff too. And there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about on the next episode, but I got to tell you that I have yet to listen to any of the podcasts. So I can't really give you a podcast breakdown of what's been going on. Um, I'm going to get my head wrapped around all that, uh, you know, as soon as I can listen to all those babies, uh, pump another one out for you before, uh, hopefully before Friday or Saturday. Um, once I've listened to all the other ones and caught up, done a little bit of research, um, done a little bit of website maintenance, all the great stuff I got to do now that I'm back from vacation. And, um, did I say bake cation? Cause I should have, I totally got baked over there. 
stick a fork in me. This muffin's done. <laughs> okay. So anyway, uh, yeah, just I'm probably going to end the show here. Another shorty. Not very informative. I'm so sorry about that. But um, hey, listen, uh, I did want to say the 4th of July is all about declaring independence. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people think, oh, we started fighting on the 4th of July. We didn't start fight. We didn't start the war of independence on the 4th of July. The uh, declaration, the declaration, it's easy for me to say, wasn't even uh, all the way signed on the 4th of July. And it got me thinking about it. What, what, you know, 1776, man, 4th of July, what a great time in, in American history. And I wonder what's happened since then. So I did a little research. If you go to the, uh, uh, archives.gov and I think it's under founding America's founding documents and stuff. You can read a little history about the declaration of independence. Um, it was first signed, uh, you know, they, they made a rough draft of it. Um, I think it was, uh, John Quincy, uh, Smith Wilson. (laughs) I'm just, I'm totally lying, but it did actually start with some dude that you probably never heard of called Richard Henry Lee, and uh, he wrote a proposal, basically, that, uh, you know, the United States should be independent. And in 1775, we were kind of already, you know, we formed an army, we formed a currency, and we were already telling Britain, hey, man, like, we don't like this. And Britain had said, hey, our subjects in America are basically starting a rebellion aren't they and they fought with us in lots of different weird ways it wasn't like gunfire necessarily it was like a lot of um embargoes and sort of stuff like that and like seizures and all this other stuff that just prompted us to keep going basically after lee made his or submitted his resolution to congress the continental congress saying hey man we should he didn't say hey man he was said thou manest we should totally be likest freest my brothers and they all said hey listen we're going to set up a committee of five dudes it's going to be john adams from massachusetts roger sherman from connecticut Ben Franklin from Pennsylvania, Robert Livingston from New York, and a Southerner named Old Tom Jefferson. We're going to get these five dudes together, and they're going to write a little uh, declaration here uh, based off of your proposal. And then all the other guys were like, hey, Thomas Jefferson, why don't you just do this for us? And he's like, all right. And he wrote the Declaration of Independence. And then he gave it to Ben Franklin. And Bren Franklin uh, looked at it and made a couple changes here and there. Adams made a couple changes here and there. Uh, he like rewrote it or whatever. And then uh, they submitted it. And on July 1st, Congress got back together. Everybody starts reading it. Um, on July 3rd and early into July 4th, um, people started looking at it. And people started uh, signing it. And I think... Um, when they say, give me your John Hancock, right? That's cause he was like the first guy to sign it. Right. So, uh, and all in all, I think there was a later celebration on August 2nd where everybody finished signing it. So like not everybody got together on July 4th, signed the declaration of independence, blew a hole through, you know, uh, our, whatever the British guy's hat and started the war. No, dude, we were kind of already fighting with people in 1775. It was an eight-year battle. This declaration was signed like uh, maybe like almost a year or almost a year or something uh, after the fighting had already started. And uh, so, yeah, it's a really interesting story. Skip ahead 100 years and uh, 1876, 
people weren't all that interested in the Declaration of Independence. I was reading some things that people had written about it uh, when it was on display, and they were like, hmm, not interested, actually. Uh, This thing looks old. It looks tattered. There was a lot of people that were like, dude, it's been 100 years in, and like there's still some bad mojo going on. (laughs) They wanted to change it. and I mean, we've already made some... um, uh, ratifications to it where we went to war again with Britain in 1812. So it was like, come on, you know, we're, we're doing a bunch of stuff here. Um, we declared our independence like, Oh, you know, 30 years ago, man, get over it. And they wouldn't get over it. And so it was really interesting reading about this stuff. Uh, you know, and then the centennial happened and Oh my God, what happened at the centennial? Well, a little fella named Jay Springsteen, one of the best, flat track riders in the world. Actually, I think he was, um, I think some people got together in the eighties and said, or the nineties declared him, uh, one of the best flat track riders ever. Yep. You got it. He took the grand national championship. He won his rookie championship a year in 75. And then he won it in 76, 77 and 78. He couldn't be held back. 43 grand national champion victories raced for almost 30 years and I think I read somewhere that he did his last uh, Daytona uh, 200 in 2006 so dude Jay Springsteen you can go watch him in on any Sunday practically and then just go back to like YouTube 2006 Daytona 200 and watch him again I mean this guy legendary guy so here we go from some dude signing some declaration blah 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 200 something years ago to jay springsteen winning his best uh you know one of the one of the best flat track riders ever uh taking his grand national championship after winning his rookie year i'm telling you america's great america is great happy fourth of july everybody i can make anything about motorcycles i can six degrees of separation my way oh my god happy fourth of july Thanks to everyone who came out to Born Free and uh, Stampede at Costa Mesa Speedway, even though I wasn't here to enjoy it. Uh, Thank you for your patronage in our beautiful uh, SoCal region. I hope it wasn't hotter than the camel testicles. Hey, we'd like to say a big thanks to Daily Biker Dan. He personally thanked me the other day on Twitter. No, Dan, thank you. Hey, thanks also to Chris Singsheim and Paul Smith for writing, for team creative writing uh, for the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge. David Shoup, man, you are going to be one dude to catch up with. If you, I don't, I think you're riding for Team Loud Pipes. They got three guys. They don't need no help. But brother, you are racking up the points, pulling out some crazy town names. Just want to give a shout out and say... You and Ted, Ted Kettler from Motorcycle Man. Dude, the Z city that he got, I think that alone was like worth 83,000 points. We'll see. All right, everybody, have a safe and happy 4th of July. Hug someone you love. 
Catch you next time. As we're leaving, I noticed a brand new... You know, I haven't, I haven't had a motorcycle mag in a long time. Um, in the 60s, late 60s, uh, I can't get these birds to shut up outside my house. And it bugs the craziness out of me when I hear in my headphones in the background these birds chirping. Oh, they're so annoying. First world problems. Uh, I'm sorry, like eight or... I forget how many years, like eight years of subscribing to motorcycle magazines really for nothing except to have like a gigantic pile of magazines after eight years that I hadn't thrown away, redid their thing. And now they think they redid it again because when I was over there,